only source of true delight whom I unseen adore Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more Oh that I might love thee more You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. Good morning. For the last time in some ways. Thanks for the last few weeks. Um, We're in the third week of this little four-week series on the questions that God asks us. And next week, Ryan Anderson uh, will uh, be preaching. Sweet Ryan Anderson and Laura, who had twins just a couple weeks ago, one in the hospital and one at home, and their first children, and Ryan's going to preach next week, so pray for them in the week they have as they um, come together. If you're visiting, uh, Darwin Jordan is the normal minister here, and so I'd invite you to come back and um, hear him at some point. Um, This morning, what I want to do is I want to take a look at uh, this passage out of John 5, and the question that is actually written in the order of worship is a lie. And um, <clears throat> I didn't mean it to be a lie. It's just I gave the title on Wednesday or Thursday morning. And the more I worked on it, the more I realized the title was wrong. I think that's the problem with titles in some ways. But So the question, I think, is not just do you want to get well. But I'm going to come back to that uh, in a moment. Uh, so if you have a Bible, um, look at John 5 and... We're going to read, actually, again, the more I worked, the little more, com- you know, it got a little longer. And so the bulletin says 1 through 9, but we're actually going to read 1 through 17. And if you are looking in the Pew Bible, it's on page 890. So John 5. This is the Lord's good and kind word to you and I this morning. No matter where you come or how you come, uh, it is the kind, authoritative voice of the living God. It stands over our heart and it tends, I'm going to propose to you, to bring you and I healing this morning. So, let's listen. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me. That man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. 
And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless His Word in our time. Uh, Father, show us uh, the goodness of Your healing grace, because we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, So, the more I studied, the more I realized that the title of this sermon is not so much, Do You Want to Get Well?, but the real title is, Who Can Make You Well? Let me see if I can't get this question in its place for you. When we moved to Fort Worth, um, we bought a house and it has been, it's rained inside every time it has rained outside for the better part of the four years we have been here. Okay, so three weeks after we moved, we had the first strong rain and lo and behold, I think the guy I bought it from forgot to tell me some things about the house. It rained in the skylights, it rained down the walls, it rained under the floors and it rained in the back door. And... Over that first summer, we had his handyman come and fix the leaks multiple times. And then with every succeeding rain, you would look up and you hear it would drip, 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 drip. And so we went to somebody else and we tried to get him to fix it and it didn't work. And it really was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I called the metal master, metal roofing guy. And he came out, and to be honest with you, I was not convinced that he was going to be able to fix it. And so, before he even got up on my roof, I almost started to argue with him, like, hey, dude, do you think you can do this? And this is what he did. It was kind of funny. He's a nice guy. He kind of pointed to his truck and said, like, I'm, I'm, the, metal, I'm the roof master. Like, I'm the metal master. Do you get it? And what he said was this. The question he asked me was, do you want your roof fixed? Okay, what he was trying to do was, the question wasn't really, of course I want my roof fixed. It rains every time inside that it rains outside. Yes, the question he was trying to ask was not, do you want your roof fixed? The question he was asking me was, who do you think is standing in front of you to fix your roof? I think that's what Jesus is doing with this man in this text. He's attempting to turn the attention of the man okay, away from what he thinks healing is and turn his attention to the man that is standing in front of him asking the question. You could almost think that it's an insensitive question if Jesus were asking whether or not he really wants to be healed. He's been lame and paralyzed for 38 years. I mean, do you think that's a real question? Do you want to be healed physically? So I think the question, do you want to be healed, is actually pointing you to a bigger question. And Jesus is driving at it with the miracle that He performs. And the question that He is asking is this. Who do you think can fix the problem? Do you want to get well? Is a deeper question that's pointing to this. Who can really bring healing? And what I want you and I to look at this morning is is three things from this event that Jesus and this interchange that Jesus has. 
And it's these things. First, I want you to see in this text that Jesus has the authority to define what healing really is. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus has the power to really heal. And thirdly, I want you to see that Jesus is committed to it. Okay? To put it another way, through the question that God raises of do you want to get well, I want you to see God showcasing His authority and His ability and His desire to heal people in all that they are. To make people well, physically and spiritually whole people. So first, let me see if I can't show you this idea that Jesus has the authority to define what healing really is. Or to put it another way, in this story, you're going to see that Jesus is the one who gets to set the parameters of what real healing is. And I want to show you that, by the way, that there's this stark view between the two interactions with Jesus and the man. The first thing that Jesus does is that he comes to a guy, right, who has been an invalid for a long time, physically unable to walk, paralyzed, probably lame, okay? And (coughs) he is coming, and he's going to talk about kind of the way he's going to physically heal the guy, but then he's going to deal with more than just his physical person, In the second interchange, you heard Jesus deal with his moral status, his moral condition, his sin. Now, the idea that Jesus sets parameters is not something uncommon to all of us. We all understand the notion there there are people who get to set parameters to kind of define the playing field, right? Um, Let me give you an idea. Teachers, they get to set the parameter and define what the test looks like, right? Right? They don't ask everybody's opinion on what the test is. They write the test. They have the authority to do it. Parents. This is my favorite one in my house. Parents, you get to set the parameters. You get to define what the playing field for what constitutes a clean plate. This is the great conversation. How many bites of pork do I have to eat before I get dessert tonight? And who gets to set? Your parents get to set those parameters. We're all aware of that. We're all in touch with that. We all kind of understand it, intuitively get that that's a reality. I'll give you one more. I was sitting at um, the pool with one of the members of our church who happens to be an aerospace engineer, and I was feeling fairly um, unintelligent. And he was talking about what his job was and that, uh, that he actually fashions, he designs the materials that they make jet fighters out of, the bodies. That's his whiz-bang world, which was pretty cool. I was fairly intrigued. Okay, who gets to set, who gets to define those parameters? Look, I could say that we ought to make the body of jet fighters out of cheddar cheese. What a great idea. If the pilot gets hungry, he can eat while he flies. But I mean, the first bullet that the plane takes, we're in trouble, right? Why does he get to set the parameters? Because he's the engineer. He's the qualified one. He's the degreed one. He's the one with the job. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus has the authority to define the playing field for what real healing is. Okay? In the conversation, Jesus deals with the physical issues of the man first, and then he comes back around and he deals with the heart issue of sin. He deals with the lameness physically, and secondly, he deals with the moral status and connects his continuing sin to something worse happening. If you look down, okay, in verse 14, 
Jesus finds him in the temple after he has physically healed him and says, see, you are well. And then he says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. When he says nothing worse may happen to you, Jesus is kind of leaning forward to the idea that there is a judgment connected with sin that the man has to deal with. But the question that Jesus first asked way back at the beginning is still ringing in your ears. Do you want to get well? Because being well is not just an issue of physical wellness. It's the whole nature of the person. That's what Jesus is doing by dealing with this man in two parts. It's the whole nature of humanity that needs to be healed. His command to the man where he looks at him and says, stop sinning, is not unconnected to what Jesus has asked before. It's obvious that what Jesus is doing with the man is dealing with His whole person, body and soul. Do you want to get well? Has to do with all of who you are. And look, that has been the purpose of Jesus' ministry throughout. It's been the purpose of the Father throughout. If you read just a little earlier in in John's Gospel, when John the Baptist comes up, what does he say? When Jesus appears on the scene, John the Baptist proclaims that this is His mission. Look, here comes the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And at the very end of John's Gospel, what you hear is this. John writes that he has written all these things down that you might believe and in believing have life. And I want you to read in having life that you might be healed, that you might be made well, that having life is Jesus dealing with you in all that you are. Jesus and Christianity connects the physical and the spiritual together and says that the brokenness of the world, lameness, sickness, death, poverty, disease, and spiritual brokenness, relational warfare, and greed, and anger, and malice, and gossip, and divorces that end in children torn apart in courts, and All these things are connected to the problem of sin and the rebellion from God and its cosmic effects. And look, that may be hard to hear. But it is the fairly clear claim of Christianity and Jesus throughout. Now, let me throw in a disclaimer for one moment. Okay, it's not that the physical doesn't matter. It does matter. It is important. Jesus heals the man's physical condition. So yes, look, we should care about the poor and the homeless. We should seek to give them shelter. We should work for and hope for cures for cancer and lupus and MS and muscular dystrophy. And Jesus is concerned about the ultimate healing of the body. But there is more at stake than our physical health. And I need to just say this briefly. Look, don't read in His physical healing of this man that if you just believe in Jesus, all your physical ills will be gone immediately. Jesus is about the ultimate physical healing of the body. But there is more at stake. Let me say it this way. It's not only that the poor need a house, which is a good cause. They need a house. And they also need to be freed from their selfishness that causes fathers to spend food stamp money on cigarettes and lottery tickets rather than on groceries for their children. I'm going to be a little more stark. 
Okay, it's not only our cancer or our diabetes or our arthritis that needs to be healed. It does. But it's also the way that we've been mad at our in-laws for 5 or 10 or 15 or 30 years and they've been dead and gone for 15 of those. It's the gout and the disappointment that we have in our children for not growing up with the lifestyle we wanted them to have that may have nothing to do with the commandments of God. It's the bum ankle that will not get better and the lack of love for people that vote differently from us or look differently from us that needs to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus deals with it. He heals the man's physical condition and He looks at him and He connects His healing with this. You have a heart condition. Jesus has the authority to set the playing field for what healing is. Go back to the story for a second. The command is fairly stark, right? Stop sinning. His ability to stop sinning is not simply left to itself. Though the command is given, right? Stop sinning lest something worse happen to you. He can no more stop being who He is. He can no more heal His problem with His heart than He could have healed His physical lameness. Right? He's been there 38 years. He's never been able to get into the pool. He's had no recourses to heal himself or to get himself into the pool. And he has no ability in and of himself to stop the sin problem. And in the same way that the question comes back to us, do you want to get well? Do you want to be freed from the bondage of sin, of brokenness of our hearts? Because Jesus brings these things together with the man. He has a physical issue and he has a heart issue. Jesus defines the parameters of the playing field. He defines what healing is. Which leads us to the second thing, and that is that in this passage you see that Jesus has the power to heal. He has the real ability to heal. That's that great thing when you look at the text. Okay, Watch how Jesus interacts with the man. He comes up to the guy who is well known about town. I mean, if you think about this guy, 38 years, day after day, coming to the same place. It was by the temple. Most of the people in Jerusalem would have walked by him every day. It's kind of like the guy who, you know, you've been by I-20. If you go up the frontage road along I-20 and in front of Home Depot and Chuck E. Cheese, and then you get to that stop sign, you know, there's that guy that always stands there. That has the food, the, the sign that says, you know, poor, help me. Everybody in town kind of knows him. Everybody kind of, you, you would think most of the people know this guy. They walk past him every day. He's been there day after day after day. Not healed. And when Jesus comes up, he looks at the man, picks this man out of the crowd and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? And the man's response, because he doesn't know who's talking to him, is, hey, every time the water gets stirred up, some, no one is there to help me, and, and someone goes down before me. And the idea was that the waters got stirred, and I think they were probably fed by a spring, and the pools may have had some medicinal property to them. I don't know, it may have been like a salt bath or some healing thing, like the springs that people would go to. And the thought was the first person in the pool gets healed of whatever disease he's got. And this is what's beautiful. 
The man does not even know who is in front of him. And he talks about the pole healing him. And Jesus doesn't even respond to his point, does he? This is what the guy thinks will heal him. And Jesus says, listen, get up and take your mat and walk. And what does the text say? It says, immediately he was healed. And if you read through that text like five more times, it just pounds you with like the man who was healed, the guy who was healed, the man who healed me. This is the guy who healed me. Jesus shows that he doesn't have just the authority to define what healing is. He has the power to do it. Jesus deals with the physical issues of the guy. And in the same way that Jesus has the power to make a lame man walk, He has the power by virtue of the fact that He is the living God. By virtue of the fact of His life and His death and His resurrection power, He can make us well, holy, in all our parts. And only He can do it. I mean, I think what he's driving at when he doesn't even respond about the pool is he's turning the guy's mind away from the pool and saying, don't look at the pool. That's not going to heal you. Right? It's the metal master pointing to the truck. Do you want your roof fixed? Who can heal? The interesting thing is that there's also this contrast as you look at the second section of this story of how you're hit with Jesus healed, the guy who healed him. This picturing of the the ability, the real power that Jesus has done it is in contrast to the religious leaders of the day and their view of kind of what will make people well, which is man-made religion and their rules. Because they're concerned about kind of extra rules. That's what they think will keep people well. And I think what you're supposed to pick up out of this is, look, be careful who you think has the power to really make you well. There is always a temptation to count on forces or programs or separate rules apart from the power of the living God to make you well. That is our temptation. When Katrina hit, I think everybody wanted FEMA to kind of come in and clean things up really well. It's a good program, don't get me wrong. It's a helpful program. But FEMA didn't heal the city of New Orleans. I'm going to tell you why. Because it is broken people involved in the process. And you had white-collar contractors skimming off huge contracts and taking all kinds of money. And you had government districts taking all kinds of money. And you had people who were poverty-stricken selling their benefits and then telling the government that they had lost him and bilking the system for more. And though it's a good program, the program doesn't change the hearts of people. Now look, you do not hear me saying that we should quit social consciousness in all federal programs. But education and social programs don't heal the malady of sin and brokenness. But Christ does. And just bear with me for a minute on this. Because I think it's worth making us reflect. The question, do you want to get well, and the question of who do you think will make you well, 
I think makes both religious people in this room and people who think there's no good for religion in this room stop for a moment. Because everybody has a set of rules or a code or a a kind of belief system by which they think things will be better. By which do you think things will be healed? By which you think things will be made right? You do. Good causes. It could be self-help. It could be kind of good slogans, be kind, be a good person, tolerance, all of which are good. I am not bashing those things. Hear me right. The heart of its brokenness and sinfulness, they don't. But religious people, we have the same temptation. Good things, good causes... Okay, The religious issues that we are tempted to believe will make us well. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance, and don't hang around with people who do. But if you just do that, you will be well. Memorize the Bible. It's a good thing. But Scripture memorization programs will not just make you well. They're great. Or the opposite. You're the edgy Christian. Do drink, do smoke, do dance, do hang around with those people. That's what it really is to be kind of right. That will make you whole. That will make. No, it won't. Cultural engagement. What you read. Read the classics. Read Calvin. Read Knox. Read Owen. Great stuff. That will not make you well. Read spin. Read rock and roll. Read That won't make you well. But Jesus will. And I'm going to tell you, this is what made them mad. What the, what the Jewish leaders, if you look at what Jesus says, they were concerned with the fact that the man was carrying his mat, which was their rule about how to keep the Sabbath. That's the problem. They thought that what the guy really needed was to do the extra rules. And that's not it. Jesus, that will never heal you. And it's what makes people upset. Jesus is saying that the only thing that will make you well is Him and His power in your life. But He really can, and He really does. Which brings us to the last thing. And that is, I want you to see His commitment to heal. Jesus has the authority to define the playing field. He's got the power to make you well. But there is a real willingness in Jesus to make people whole. Where do you see it? Okay. what One, you see it in that first deal. Don't you love... Jesus just walks up to this seemingly random guy. It's not random for Him. And the guy doesn't show concern for Jesus. He doesn't actually necessarily show signs of faith. He actually tattles on Jesus in the end. He turns him in. And compared to the stark contrast of the man of himself in this story, here is the desire and the willingness and the commitment of Jesus just to take a man who has been ill forever and say, Son, take up your mat and walk. Go. There it is. See, you have been made well. 
And the kicker is the last little verse that I think highlights the, the idea that, John, that God is committed to this cause. Because as Jesus is being persecuted for bringing healing, He answers their complaints by saying this, My Father has been at work and is working until now, and I am working. This is the will. This is the commitment of God. This is His plan. This is what the Father is about. This is what the Son is about. This is what we're committed to. This plan of healing and bringing restoration. And there's a great contrast. Don't you love the conversation? Just listen. He has been made well. 38 years. He's gotten up and walked. Now, I would think that some of the Jewish leaders might know who the guy is as he's carrying his mat. Okay, and this is the thing they say to him. Hey, it's the Sabbath. It's not law for you for you to take up your bed. And he answers them, what? The man who has healed me. He's the guy who told me to take up my mat and walk. Okay, and this is where it gets poignant. The guy who healed me. They're standing in front of a guy who has been lame for 38 years. And he has just said, the guy who has healed me. Okay? Jesus is focused on healing. And their response contrasts this. Okay? They don't respond with, well, who healed you? They respond with, who told you you could take up your mat? What? Contrast that with the heart of God. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be made well? Okay, some of you are not parenting. But you've got brothers and sisters, or you know people who have kids, or you've been around them. Or you have a friend who's been really sick. And I'm not talking about the, the running around the house. You've told them nine times not to run around the house. They fall and skin their knee. And it's one of those moments where you're like, hey, shake it off. I'm not talking that moment, sick. I'm talking the, the fever has knocked your kid in the dirt. And they are hurting. And their tears are real. And they are in pain. And all you want to do as a parent is wrap them up in your arms and make the pain go away. All you want to do is make it better. Your desire is bent on making your kid well. And your Father in Heaven's intent and commitment and desire is to make you well. To heal you body and soul. To ultimately heal the physical disease that will wear you out and the moral disease of sin and rebellion that will wear you out and will bring judgment if it is not healed. It is His great desire. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed of... Make your list. Your anger, your resentment, your cynicism, your sarcasm, 
your lack of love? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want a love of God to pervade who you are? Do you want patience and mercy and kindness to overflow out of who you are? Do you want to get well? Jesus will make you well. Look, I'm hoping that there are some here this morning who this sounds like good news to in a new way. Because you have maybe labored under a burden of causes that you have given yourself to. And you know only too well that those causes have let you down. They have not fixed your heart. And the people involved in those causes themselves still remain selfish and angry, just like you. And they're good causes, but they haven't healed you. Now, I want you to hear Jesus say to you out of His great desire and love and commitment to make you well, do you want to be well? Because the living God, Jesus will make you well. And you do not even have to give up on the cause in terms of serving that. But Jesus will make you well. To those of you who are older and, I will say it, nearer to the grave than some of us this morning, I think this question probably makes a lot of sense to you. Because you're the testimony of God's grace over the long mile to the watching world this morning. right? You have seen grace change you over time and bring real substantial healing to your souls even as your bodies grow weaker, haven't you? You know the sins that hang on. You know the fears that grow. Do you want to get well? Jesus will not quit on you. He's still about His Father's business. Though you die, you will yet live. You will be made whole. And you will be made well because that is the Father's heart. To those of you who are younger, who've been sitting with your families, okay, for just a second, listen up. Right? Some of you here have been kind of, you've seen your parents talk to you about Jesus. You've seen your parents read the Bible. You've seen your parents talk to you about your need for Christ and talk to you about sin. And it may be that this is about the time where you're beginning to see that it's not just an idea, but you've actually seen your sin very clearly. Because you've actually seen the temptation to lie or to steal or to cheat is very real and well and alive in you. Or you've actually begun to see the brokenness of your own heart in terms of the jealousy you feel towards your friends or even the people you don't like. And I want you to hear Jesus say to you this morning, do you want to get well? And put your trust in Him. He will surely make your heart well. I think there is a good hope for you and I to hear this question who are burdened down by our ongoing struggle with our heart. We have come to Jesus. 
We have felt the healing mercy and kindness of Him in our hearts. And yet, we see the areas of sickness that pervade and that hang on and that stay with us. And I want you to hear the commitment and the desire of Jesus as He asked the question, do you want to be made well? Beloved, fly to the One who has the authority, who has the power, and who will surely do it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we need uh, healing. We do. We are broken in our bodies and we are broken in our hearts and we need Your mercy to come in. Lord, heal us, please. And keep healing us and continue to heal us and abide with us. And bring Your good healing work to its final completion in the day of Jesus, we ask. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain. Break radiant through the shades of night and chase my fears away. Won't you chase my fears away?